0: to 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, and again this morning I gave you the title of the sermon, Uh, Bad Things Happen to Good People, and you know, this time of year, kind of going to what Kimberly's saying, you know, this time of year people tend to be a little nicer, they tend to, uh, you you know, there, there seems to be something about this time of year that, you know for whatever reason <clears throat> but there's always a, a a huge emphasis this time of year on being good uh <clears throat> i think a lot of it has to do with uh, satan clause oh i mean santa claus um um Come back Wednesday night. We're going to be talking about that guy. Seriously, we're going to be talking about him. It came up Wednesday night during uh, Bible study. And so uh, you asked. So we're going to, you know, I've got, yeah, I forget who asked, but, but yeah, we're going to, (laughs) yeah, so, you know, we as a human race, we tend to live by a code. Uh, saved, unsaved doesn't really matter, and 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 to me that code is do good and good will come. You know that that seems to be you know uh, yeah karma or or uh, what's a yin and yang and all that stuff and you know you know and that that seems to be what a lot of people live by and and we were on Wednesday night we were talking about Second Corinthians. Uh, <clears throat> chapter 10, verse 5, and we started to talk about it when we got sidetracked on some other things. But we're going to be following up on it uh, this this Wednesday. I'm going to be going a little bit more in depth. But I wanted to bring up one thing that we were talking about, and is and in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the word uh, imagination here literally means misleading arguments. So something that is not accurate. But at the same time, if a person wasn't, wise would believe it. Does that make sense? Okay. So that, that is the context of what we're talking about here. And then those of you that were here Wednesday night, what does the, what is casting down? What is, what does that mean? To demolish exactly, to make it, to render it absolutely useless. So when things come into our lives um, that are uh, 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 imaginations or What was the uh, definition? Misleading arguments. We are to render them absolutely useless in our lives. Now, I'm here to tell you the code that I talked about a minute ago. If you do good, good will come. That is exactly one of the things that this is talking about. It is a lie. Now, are we supposed to do good? Absolutely, we are. But if every time you do good, will you, get rec- will you be recompensed for that? No. no. And, the, and the reality is we live in a world where people think that they can earn their goodness. Is there anybody in this room who is good all the way to the core? wife. <laughs> <laughs> Okay? You know, we laughed at that because why? It's ridiculous. ridiculous. Now, can each and every one of us do good things? Absolutely we can. But to our core, not one of us is good. We are rotten to the core. Jeremiah, uh, you know, and I, I think I said this last week, but you know, this time of year, my wife and I watch Hallmark movies, and I think we all do to some, to some degree. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> and one of, the, one of the themes in most of those Hallmark movies is, oh, just follow your heart. You know, just, just follow your heart, and, and everything will work. After all, it's Christmas. It's magical time. You know, uh, well, here I'm here to tell you, Jeremiah didn't look at it that way. And Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Amen. And what? Desperately. Desperately wicked. Yeah, we certainly don't. Again, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is Bad Things Happen to Good People. And and I again uh, I, I mentioned it this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I believe that this this particular subject is important this time of year uh, because uh, oftentimes uh, this this subject subject gets tweaked out of proportion uh, this time of year any more more than any other time of the year. I have a question for you. Why would God allow something bad? To happen to a good person. Think about it, and I want—I want—I want want some feedback here. Why would God allow something bad to happen to a good person, Danny? Growth. Okay, growth. You can to minister to someone later on. Okay. Okay. All right, Sean, you don't have to grunt. Okay, just putting your hand up like this, Sean. Sean. Okay. All right, Sean. Okay, to to try them, to, to uh, like your dad said, to grow them. Candy? Okay. Now, how many of you remember Morris Gleiser? He was here about three years ago. Okay, Morris Gleiser. <clears throat> would you put Morris Gleiser in the category of a good person? Yes. I, I would. Okay. Okay. Uh, why would God give him cancer? Because he's, God. because he's God. See, we humanly speaking, we think, wait a minute, now you've you've gone from preaching to meddling because what what do we do with people like Morris Gleiser? We put him on a pedestal and we say, "Hey, that's God's man. He's doing God's work. And and if anybody on earth deserved not to get cancer, it would be him. Oh, really? Why is he exempt? See <clears throat> the, I, I came up very quickly with four reasons why Morris Gleiser now, and, and I'm not here telling you this is why Morris Gleiser got cancer. I'm just I came up with four very, very simple things. In fact, it was they were all mentioned basically. Uh, in in the answers here. Humility. Was God maybe trying to teach him humility? I don't know. What about strengthening his faith? What about, as Danny, I think Danny said, sometimes God needs to just do something to you to, to knock you down, to slow you down. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Or what about just sheer dependence? See, we look at things like that and we think, wait a minute, no, 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 these things are not supposed to happen to people like him. But they do. The story that we are about to read is a story about a really good guy. And, And as we, well, let's just go ahead and read Uh, 2nd Kings chapter 5 in verse 1. And Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a what? A leper. A leper. Point number one, let's talk about the good man. The good man. What is his name? His name is Naaman. Uh, Who can tell me what his job was? Okay, he was the commander of the armies of Syria. Okay, what was his reputation like? Okay, he was honorable. He, uh, God even calls him honorable. Okay, now, I don't know if my name, if I lived back then, I doubt very seriously my name would ever have gotten into Scripture. And I can guarantee honorable probably would not have been mentioned along with my name. So what if, what, what does that tell you about this guy? He was straight up, right? That's That's how we would phrase it in today's vernacular. He's just a straight-up good guy. Was he brave? Absolutely. Second to none. He, he, he He was a mighty man of valor. But there's a problem. What was his citizenship? He was Syrian. And historically, what were the Syrians? they were absolute enemies of israel they the syrians and the hebrews hated each other beyond the 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 comprehension of hate they i mean it was it was horrible (laughs) yeah they still do yeah so naaman was a good guy that god used god even said he was honorable and he was a mighty man of honor, of, of valor. Humanly speaking, I honestly don't know that you could find a better man on the earth at, the, at this time. He was just a, a good guy. What does it mean to be honorable? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, trustworthy? Okay, dignity? Okay, there you go. That's the, that's the key here. The word honorable, basically, if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Let's look at the disease. Point number two, leprosy. At the time, it was incurable and deadly. I have, I found a couple pictures here on the internet I wanted to show you. This is, this is uh, what leprosy can do. Obviously, this is an extreme case. Uh, the second picture is uh, what it is famous for. It, it literally eats away at the, the, not just the flesh, but the bone, everything. It, it, is, it is incredibly, uh, in, it would invasive be the word? Okay, And destructive, and destructive yes. Uh, and and, and um, it is still in our world today. There are still cases of leprosy in the United States every year. It has not been radi- uh, eradicated. Uh, it has not been eradicated. So <clears throat> leprosy, although today, is not nearly as serious as it was then. We have medicines, we have things that when people get it, they can stop it and and different things. But at the time, uh, Naaman's leprosy was spreading with no hope of a cure. The ugliness of leprosy was such that it was eventually it would have been impossible for Naaman to hide it. Eventually, it would spread to body parts that it would be obvious what was wrong with him, and he would no longer be able to hide it. So we are assuming that as this story unfolds, the assumption is that he had leprosy, but it was in its early stages, at least that's the assumption that I draw from it. Because what would happen to someone back then who had full-blown leprosy? Okay, they were, they were shunned from society. They were, they were taken oftentimes to uh, leper colonies that, that were uh, <clears throat> isolated from society. And here this great man would basically cease to exist. And another thing is that I've heard reference to through my studies not not this particular time but other times <clears throat> basically somebody that had leprosy they were considered dead even though they were walking. They were still alive. Uh, they were they were just walking dead people. And that's what Naaman had in store for him. <clears throat> we can assume, because of his position, power, uh, influence, and, and money, that he had pursued every option available, uh, medically speaking, at the time, which basically was nothing. But I want to, I, 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 as I was thinking about this, I, I thought of the woman. With the issue of blood, let's read Mark chapter five verses twenty-five to twenty-eight. It says, "And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of <clears throat> many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was uh, and, and was uh, nothing uh, bettered, but rather grew worse." When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garments and she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole. Now, why why am I bringing this up? The the point is this. This man of great power and influence. Do you think you know when he went to the doctor with a with a sore spot somewhere on his body, do you think that the doctor just looked at him and says, "Oh yeah, you got leprosy," and and Naaman just went, "Oh okay." What do you think? What do you think he did? Hello? Okay, he was yeah. I mean, you, you know. I I dare say, if if this woman here would spend every dime that she had to try and get better, do you not think that he did the same thing? Absolutely he did. And and it would be no different if someone in this room uh, went to the doctor in the morning and the doctor said, hey, look, you've got cancer what are you going to do? You're going to do everything you can to beat it. What what would be what would be more than likely your response if the doctor said, oh, well, it's going to be $200,000. Well, I don't think there's anybody in the church that's got $200,000. But what would you do? You'd find the money somewhere. Point number three, and I think... I personally believe this is the most incredible person in the whole story, and that is the maid. The maid. Let's look at verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by company and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So, who is the maid? Okay, she's, it's a Jewish girl, more than likely a young teenager, who is, who is a what? A slave. a slave. Okay, she's living in a foreign land away from her parents. She's a slave. <clears throat> Verse 3, And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the, the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one, well, let's just stop in verse 3. So here you have a little slave girl who tells her mistress, Naaman's wife, well, if he was in Samaria, Elisha would be able to heal him. Now, I don't know about you, but I like this little girl. Because, humanly speaking, she would have every right to to think in her heart, ah, let them rot. Wouldn't she? Yeah. I mean, she's a slave. But she has compassion. And not only does she have compassion... Even though she was a slave in a foreign land, she stayed faithful to God. Because what what was she? What did she do? Her answer was, "Go to the man of God." Made me think of Daniel chapter one verse eight and nine. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine uh, which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the princes of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Here we have a, a perfect example of, of the, the exact same thing going on, but in the life of Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart. You know what? It doesn't matter what, I'm, what road I've got to cross, what, what journeys I've got to go down, I am going to stay faithful to God. And apparently, uh, this young maid said the same thing. And, and it, it just it, it brought to my heart, oftentimes, <clears throat> it is easy for us to serve God as long as everything is going well. But when things don't go our way, what happens? We throw a little tissy fit and we turn away from God, do we not? Point number four, we're going to talk about two kings. Start reading in verse four. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus uh, said the maid, that is, uh, of the land of Israel, uh, and the king of Syria said, Go to, go and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, excuse me, uh, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten charges, uh, changes of raiment, and brought uh, the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when the letter is come unto thee, behold, I have uh, there, therewith Sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, I, uh, "Am I God uh, to kill and to make alive? Uh, that this man uh, doth send me, uh, send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray, I pray you." and see how he is uh, seeketh a quarrel against me <clears throat> here we see two kings that hate each other one is Syrian and one is Israeli okay now there's a couple of things I want to point out first off with the king of the king of Syria <clears throat> Naaman obviously had to have been an, an incredibly valuable person to the king of Syria Uh, I I, I tend to think that not only was he a vital part of his military, but I personally believe that he was probably a very dear friend of the king's. Don't have any proof of that. That's just my opinion. But Naaman and the king were idol worshipers. These men were not men that, that followed the Jehovah God. They were idol worshipers and they had no idea of the impact of the of what they were putting into motion they assumed and, and this is this is where you this is where many people in our world live today they assumed that the cure could be purchased what did they do they loaded up all kind of silver and gold and and changes of clothes and they were going to they were going to whatever the cost whatever the cost they were going to pay it. If it, you know, I have no idea what this would translate into current day uh, money, but it, it's a lot of money. And and if they had gotten to Israel and. <clears throat> Elisha or the king said okay yeah we'll do it but you got to make you need more than that do you think naaman would have gone, went back and got more yes. absolutely see they were prepared to buy the cure many people today think that good deeds can be purchased as well what what constitutes a good deed. Anybody? Okay, something that doesn't profit you? Okay, that's a good start. Okay, something to help someone else? Okay, meeting a need? Okay, the thing that constitutes good works in the life of a believer is this thing right here. The intent in which the deed is done. See, if the deed is done so that you can earn recompense with God or, or reimbursement with God, is that a good work? No. no. If 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 you had the ability to, what do you remember back when? Oh, what's that guy's name? He used to. Um, own the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, Ted, Turner. Ted Turner. Remember when Ted Turner gave a billion dollars to the UN? That that was back a long time ago. Only those old people wouldn't remember that. <clears throat> do you think he was trying to buy a good deed? Yeah. Do you think it was a good deed? Yeah. In the eyes of God? Yeah. No. See, but that's that's what we try to do. And that's exactly what they tried to do. They also thought the king could command the man of God to cure Naaman. See, they had no they had no connection with the fact that Elisha worked for God, not the other way around. And way too often, we, we look at we we look for uh, happiness in the wrong places. See, they were looking to a man to tell another man to do something only God could do. Sadly, many people today think that salvation could be bought earned, or even found in church. I remember one time I was sharing the gospel with somebody. Somebody had actually come to visit, visited the church and I had gone to their home and was sitting in their in their kitchen uh, or living room somewhere. I was in their home and and uh, I, I presented the gospel to them and I said, do you want to get saved? And they, they said, oh, well, don't we have to go to the church? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, wow that's a first <laughs> but but no seriously that that's you know that's what people think and you know obviously I explained no that you know but anyway acts chapter 8 verse 20 but Peter said unto him thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money See, money has got nothing to do with wealth, and money has got nothing to do with happiness either. You know, I I, I, I said that one time, and somebody said, "Well, I'd sure like to try and find out." <laughs> but I'll tell you, some of the most miserable people I've I've known in my life have a lot of money, and I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade my life for anything. But here we are in the Christmas season, so I have to remind you, it's a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, the king of Syria tried to buy the cure. The wicked king, Jehoram, which was a wicked king, he misunderstood and thought that the king of Assyria was trying to pull a fast one. Okay, he 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 kind of freaks out a little bit, thinks that Jehoram is uh, is tricking him, so uh, 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 Jehoram uh, doesn't follow through with the request and. Uh, is probably uh, calling his war council together, uh, preparing for war. Let's look at the prophet, point number five, the prophet. Let's look at verses 8, 9, and 10. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king saying wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes now why would a jewish king rent his clothes okay literally means to tear his garments why why would a why would a jewish king do that brandon grief? Uh, sorrow. sorrow grief in other words the guy's scared to death yeah he he he, he thinks the syrians are coming after him okay Uh, Wherefore uh, hast thou rent thy clothes? And he says, uh, uh, Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again. To thee uh, that thou shalt be clean. Now, there's a couple of things here that really is important to understanding this story. The first thing is <clears throat> Naaman had to have been caught off guard finding the prophet of God living in a normal house. Where where, where do you think? The, the the prophets of the gods of Syria, where do you think those prophets lived? Palaces. In the palaces, probably in fortresses. They did not live in a normal house that you could just walk up to the door. So I'm sure that that caught him off guard. And I'm sure uh, <clears throat> that he was, how do I want to, how do I want to put this? Because of the custom of the day, it would be understood that when somebody of his stature shows up at your door, what 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 do you think he would expect? Oh yeah, the red carpet, the, fan, the you know the band out front, you know all the fanfare, all the you know the because he basically would be a uh, uh, very high-ranking Assyrian, uh, you know, coming to this humble home and you know the red carpet be laid out and all of this this stuff going on. So how does he come to Elisha? He comes as a general of the Assyrian army. Uh, you know uh, do you think he he pulled up in a Volkswagen <clears throat> no do you think he had a couple of people with him how about a whole army okay he had i mean this guy didn't travel by himself or with with a with a small entourage this guy traveled with a large entourage of people and and all of this probably surrounded the little house that Elijah lived in. But what did Elijah do? Think about this for a second. What did Elijah do? He out, he said. The ultimate an in insult. Elijah didn't even darken the door. And he sent his servant out. Can you imagine what was going through Naaman's mind? I mean, he had to have been close to having an uh, what my father-in-law would call an apoplexy. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what an apoplexy is, but that it would be a bad thing. Condition yeah, condition fit. That yeah, that sounds more like your daddy. Yeah. <clears throat> Let, let me tell you something. Christian, listen to me. The world wants to intimidate you. The world wants you to be intimidated by it. But I'm here to tell you. Well, let, let me read the verse, because it can tell you a whole lot better than I can. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have nothing to fear of the world. He instructs Naaman via his servant to go to the Jordan River and to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. And the Jordan River, from the best of my understanding, was about 20 miles away. Now, let's look at the cure. Point number six. Start reading in verse 11. But Naaman was wroth. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And went away and said, "Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike with his hands and uh, over the over the uh, the palace and recover uh, the leper. Are not uh, 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 these two rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them?" Uh, and be clean. So he turned and went away in a rage. What is driving him right now? One word. Pride. 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 He was insulted. He was humiliated. He, and, and, and it wasn't just, it was in front of all of his men. This is not a good thing. He wanted, he, he expected the man of God to come out and to treat him on his terms. How many times do we go to God on our terms? Verse 13, And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet... <clears throat> had bid thee uh, uh, do some great thing, would thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Wow, what an incredibly smart guy. What, what was, what was Naaman wanting to do? He was trying to earn it. He couldn't. Well, the, the buying part comes later, but he was trying to earn it. Verse fourteen, and when and, and and then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now this is a man who is a mighty man of valor. Do you think that quite possibly he had spent a lot of time out in the sun, and and what what do we call people that do that? They we call it their, their skin gets kind of leathery, does it not? How did God heal him? Completely, made his skin. Not only not only did he heal the leprosy, but he made his skin as a, as a small child. See, pride had driven him. Pride had had almost taken away his ability from being healed. Naaman had his own opinion and his own plan. But I'm here to tell you, God has a plan that is different than our plan. The Jordan River. One of the insulting things of the Jordan River is the Jordan River, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it, but it is considered a dirty river. It is not the kind of place you go to get clean. So his 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 rationale humanly speaking makes perfect sense. Could I not go to one of these other two rivers in Damascus? Much better water, much cleaner water. <clears throat> I can't help but wonder if Naaman one of the things that went screaming through Naaman's mind was Ah it can't be that easy. Can't be that easy. You can't I can't tell you how many times I have shared the gospel with somebody and they say, Oh it can't be that easy. Well the truth is it can be that easy and the truth is it is that easy. There's nothing complicated about the gospel. There's nothing complicated about the love of God in our lives. But he humbled himself. He swallowed his pride. He went down seven times into a dirty river. This great general, commander of the Syrian armies, doing something in his own mind, That was ridiculous. Was it the water of the Jordan that cleansed the leprosy? No. What was it? Okay, it had to have been the faith and the obedience. If God had told Elisha, oh, tell him to stand on his head and gargle peanut butter and, you know, and do you know, whatever, it, you know, it would have been the same thing. It's the obedience that matters. I want to go back to the question of the title of the message. Why do bad things happen to good people? The answer to that is, God's not done with him yet. This man was a good man. Why? Why did he get leprosy? He, I believe the reason he got leprosy was God was trying to send him a message. And we'll see uh, uh, next week when we when we look at his life again. <clears throat> oh no, not next week. Is next week. Th- next week's the program. Okay, in 2 weeks we'll we'll be looking at him and and he acknowledges that God is God is God. And he comes to the reality that is that the only God is in Israel, he says. So why did he get leprosy? Was it to punish him? No. It was to bless him. And see way too often, and this is this is where this is really important. Way too often we misunderstand what God is trying to do in our lives. Why did Morris Gleiser get cancer? I don't know. But I can tell you this God's still working on him. Why do bad things happen to me? The same reason. God's still working on me. Why do bad things happen to you? Same thing. God is still working on us. And praise God for that. I don't want Him ever to stop working on me. I want to close with this thought. I I read a quote and I, I, I kind of changed it some and Anyway, this is it's partially a quote, partially my thing anyway. When you substitute why is this happening to me with what is he trying to teach me? It changes everything. Let me re- let me read that again so you kind of let that sink in. Why is this happening to me? With What is he trying to teach me? It changes everything. Why do bad things happen to good people? I I don't know every reason in every case, but I can tell you this. I can almost guarantee God is not done working in that individual's life. And we ought to be praising God and thanking Him every time He does something in our lives. Praise God for that. Let's pray.